This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus is referred to as a man of sorrows. And that might be surprising. I think it was surprising to the Jews that lived in the day and age when Jesus uh, came about. That's not really what they expected. Even, so, even though uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that, that Jesus would be a man of sorrows, that the Messiah would be a man of sorrows, that's really not the picture that they got painted in their mind. They were expecting a powerful king, a king that would rise to, to power and to a throne of glory on earth. Uh, and that's what they were looking for. And so when Jesus comes along and he doesn't quite fit that mold, even though he's fulfilling prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, he doesn't quite fit the mold of what they think. And so they begin to, to have doubts about him. And yet... Isaiah, as I said, prophesied, and, and it was foretold. In Isaiah 53 and verse number 3, speaking of the Messiah, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, that's remarkable language to be talking about Christ. That's remarkable language to be talking about the Messiah, and that, that's exactly what happened, isn't it? Jesus came to this earth as it was being believed, the son of a carpenter, and as he walked through life, he had sorrow after sorrow, and pain after pain, and agony after agony. And yes, he preached a great message, a message that's resonated and, and continues to this day. In just a few weeks, Brother Britt, Brother Josh are going to talk about uh, the evidence of Jesus. I'm not going to get into that at all. I just want to talk about him being a man of sorrows for just a few minutes and why maybe that was. Because it's hard for us to look back at our Savior and be able to understand why he had to be a man of sorrows. He had to be. And some of the difficulties that he faced in this life that resulted... In that, number one, I want you to think about the fact that Jesus had to leave heaven. If I was to poll the audience and ask you what your ultimate and absolute goal is, I think every one of us would be in full agreement. Our goal is to get to heaven. That's the place we so long for. We want to be there. And we, we worship God and try to serve God in order that we can attain to that crown, in order that we can attain to that glory, in order that someday we can be with God in heaven and enjoy a place that's beyond our comprehension. Jesus had all that. Jesus was there in that place. He was in the place of ultimate glory. He was in a place with no tears and no pain and no sorrow. And he left it. He left it. Now, the Bible tells us that was the ultimate plan. That before the foundation of the world, before God said, let there be light, he had a plan in place whereby he would send his son to this earth to be the man of sorrows, to suffer and die on our behalf. And Jesus knew he was going to have to do that. But can you imagine the feeling? 
I sometimes just try to imagine what heaven is going to be like and what the feeling is going to be like when all burdens are lifted away and we can't, we can't feel pain, we can't feel sin. Sin is absent. And I try to imagine that feeling. Jesus knew what it was. And then he came down to this earth and left it all. John 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was involved in creation. Jesus knew everything that was created. Jesus was there when He saw the flood of waters have to be put out on the earth because of the sin and the, the sorrow and the evil that was in the world. He saw all that. And he knew he was leaving a glorious place where none of that existed to come down and live in what we call this low ground of sin and sorrow. And that's what it is. Colossians 1 and verse 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. This is Jesus Christ that he's talking about here. Jesus was there. He was involved in the creation of all things. All things in heaven, all things were made by him and for him. And yet he had to come down and become submissive to all those things. You think that might cause you just a little bit of sorrow? Just a little bit of grief? What you imagine what Jesus had to feel to give all that up and to come down? And yet that's exactly what happened. John 6 and verse 38, for I came down from heaven. I came down from heaven. Not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He came down and put himself in submission to the Father. He came down and lived just like you and I live. Tempted in all points, just like you and I are tempted. He lived that life. He gave up heaven. That's why Isaiah called him a man of sorrows. There can be no greater sorrow if you miss out on heaven someday and you don't get to attain to that level, there'll be no greater sorrow. And yet Jesus had it, he had attained it, and he left it. And it caused him some sorrow and some grief. Number two, he brought a message into this world. He left heaven to bring a message. And when he got here and spread that message, many people rejected it. They rejected it. Now they began to receive it. And I think of seeing Jesus coming in, riding on that donkey into uh, Jerusalem and into Galilee and, and people crying out, Hosanna in the highest. And, and perhaps at that moment, many of them believed and many of them thought that he was the Christ. But then I think about him saying, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And one by one, they hung their heads and they turned around and they left. They left him. They rejected his message. This is the message that Jesus had. John 14, 6. Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He had the message. He was the message. He was the truth. He was the life. He had the life-giving power. He told the woman at the well, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I have to offer will never thirst again. That's the kind of message that Jesus had. 
But in John 1, verse 11, he came into his own, and his own received him not. He was rejected. You think that didn't bring the Son of Man some sorrow? Knowing what he had, knowing what he offered, knowing that he had the power on earth to forgive sin, and yet people rejected him, knowing the message of his gospel that he would preach and that he would show how that he would be buried and that he would be resurrected, and people didn't believe it. They didn't want to hear it. They'd been waiting for so many years for the Messiah to come, and here he is, and they just reject him. John 3 and verse 19, and this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Well, that describes so much, doesn't it? That in this world, people love darkness rather than light. And they rejected the Savior and his message. When he came to this earth, when he left heaven, when he left glory and he came to this earth and preached the message of of righteousness, of kindness, of mercy, of love. And people hated him because their their deeds were evil. And many hate him today because their deeds are evil. Jesus was a man of sorrows because not only was his message rejected, but he bore the punishment for that rejection. Would you look at those three things that are on the board for just a minute? Would you be sorrowful if you had to endure just those three things? If you were in heaven and you had to leave it? If you had a message of truth and righteousness and people rejected it? And if you had to be wrongly accused and punished for other people's sins? That's what Jesus did. That's the life Jesus lived. He was punished because of what others had done. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was made sin. He left heaven and was made sin. That caused him to be a man of sorrows. Only he didn't sin. Never once. Not as a child, not as an adult, not when he was spit on, not when he was ridiculed, not when he was punished. Never did he sin, but he was made to be sin. He became sin. He bore our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He bore the sins of many. Your sin. Jesus bore your sin. He took your sin in his body. Without ever having done anything wrong, he paid the price for you. He paid the price for me. Without him, we would be full of our sins today. You and I sit here today redeemed. Redeemed from our sins. Not having to face that punishment. And the only reason was because the man of sorrows came and took it upon him. And yeah, that was painful. And yeah, that caused him grief. That caused him pain. That caused him sorrow. But he did it willingly. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. 
that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened in the spirit. The just for the unjust. Jesus was righteous. Jesus was holy. Jesus was pure and yet he and he alone became sin. The greatest sin. So much so that God Almighty turned his back. God Almighty turned his face from him. Couldn't look upon him. The man of sorrows. But the Bible describes Jesus in a much different way as well. Describes him not just as the man of sorrows. But it describes him as the Lord of joy. A totally opposite uh, trade. A totally opposite characteristic. And it's amazing to me that he could be both. That he could be both this man of sorrows and he could be this Lord of joy. But Jesus did have joy in his life. Jesus was happy. Jesus could endure punishment. Jesus could endure ridicule. Jesus could endure all those things because he knew some things. And these things that while, while leaving heaven brought him sorrow, while his message being rejected brought him sorrow, and certainly having to bear and undo an unjust punishment for something that he had never had done brought him sorrow, he also had a great deal of joy. And in John 17 and verse 13, he said this, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He said, I'm come so that they can have my joy. The same level of joy that I enjoy. The same level of joy that I have. I want these followers. I want these disciples. I want them to have this joy. And John chapter 17 is the the prayer of Jesus that he offers there. And we're going to stay mostly in this uh, prayer and listen to some of the words that Jesus said to, to glean some of these truths about why he was so full of joy even in the midst of his sorrow. Jesus had joy because he had given his word. He brought this message. And though, yes, it was rejected by many, it's also going to be received by many. And it brought Jesus joy to spread his word. It brought Jesus joy to share this message. In the 14th verse of John chapter 17, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He said, I've given my word to these disciples, these followers. They have it. That brought Jesus joy to know that he had given them his word. He says this in Mark 13 and 31, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, he says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus knew the message he was carrying. He knew that he was bringing words that would be, make people wise unto salvation. He knew he was bringing words that would uh, increase faith in his followers. And that brought Jesus joy. He was happy to come to this earth, happy to endure what he had to endure because he knew he was bringing a message that was going to change the world, that was going to give you and I hope, that was going to give you and I life. And it brought Jesus joy. Jesus was given joy because he knew his children, his children, would keep his word. I want you to listen to what he prays in John 17 and verse 8. He says, For I have given unto them the words which thou givest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. 
Jesus was happy that his followers, that his disciples believed him. And there wasn't very many of them at that time. Wasn't very many of them at all. Let's face it, when you put it in the big scheme of the world today and the population, there's not very many today. But it brought Christ joy to know that his children believed in him, that they saw that he was from God, that they received the words that he preached. John chapter 8 and verse 31 Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus knew the content of his message. He knew that the truth would make him free, would make the followers of him free. And he preached that word. He shared it with people. Whether he thought they would believe him or not, he shared it with them. And he changed lives day after day after day. He continues to change them today. John 6 and verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. It's you, Lord, that has the words of eternal life. Peter kept his word. Peter preached his word after his death and after his resurrection. His followers would continue to preach his word. Men would be taught to share these messages. And today we continue to teach his word. It's unlike anything else that has ever occurred in the history of the world. And that brought Jesus joy. Knowing that his words brought eternal life. And his words were going to save his children. And that's the last point we'll make. Why was Jesus the Lord of joy? He knows the life-giving power of those words. And he knows that his words... And his message and he and he alone gives eternal life to his children. You and I as the children of God have a hope unlike a hope uh, anywhere else in the world. It's the hope of eternal life. Not just a life of abundance here. Not just a life of happiness here on this earth. But a life of abundance and happiness beyond our comprehension in heaven. He wants to take us where he's been. He knew that the only way for us to go where he is is for him to leave that throne of glory and for him to come down and for him to absorb our sin, for him to take it on. And he was willing to do that, and that brought him joy. It brought him joy. In John 17, verses 2 and 3, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is the life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is Jesus as he begins that prayer. That thou shouldest give eternal life. God's granted us eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus knew that. He knew what he had to do. He knew he had to leave glory. He knew he had to endure the punishment. He knew he had to be the man of sorrows. And guess what? Being the man of sorrows brought him joy. It brought Jesus joy, knowing that he's going to save you, knowing that he's going to put you in a right condition with his Father, knowing that he was the only thing that stood between you and eternal punishment, and he could make it right, and he made it right. If you accept him, if you believe him, he made it right. John 10 and verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life And that they might have it more abundantly. The abundant life. The life of glory. The life Jesus knows. He submitted himself to God. He came to this earth. And we now can be 
a joint heir with him, receiving the same blessings that Christ receives in heaven. That's the gift you've been offered. That's the gift you've been given. Luke chapter 15 and 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth than over ninety and nine just persons that need no repentance. That's the joy of our Lord. When he sees you turn from your sin, when he sees you believe in his name, when he sees you submit to his message, there's joy in heaven. Joy unlike any other joy. There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. The joy of the Lord. What can we learn from our Lord in this? I want you to read this verse with me in closing. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What does that mean? Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. We can look at the man of sorrows and we can understand that sometimes we're going to have sorrow. We can look at the man of sorrows and we can understand that sometimes we're going to have to endure difficulty. And yet we can also look at him and see the joy that he had. Look at the next uh, phrase there. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy, the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross don't sound like much joy to me. It don't sound like much fun to be nailed to the cross, to be despised and rejected. The joy set before him was the knowledge that that brought salvation. The joy set before him was the knowledge that he was going to make you right, that he was going to make me right, that he was going to take our sins and blot them out and make us whole and make us complete. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen to this next verse, verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. We need to understand the man of sorrows and the Lord of joy. Because it's such a picture of the life that we've got to live on this earth. You ever get sorrowful? You ever get burdened? You ever get frustrated with the world? I do. And sometimes I get grumpy. I get so frustrated. I get so burdened. I get so wearied about what's going on around me in the world. And it makes me angry sometimes. And then you think about Jesus. You know, I deserve a lot of what's going on because I've sinned. I deserve a lot about what's going on in the world because I'm not righteous I'm not holy I'm not good like Jesus Jesus didn't deserve any of it and yet it was joy set before him why he knew what awaited him he knew he could make salvation possible and he knew he could deliver his children to heaven you know what's true today just as true as it was the moment that Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross what's just as true today is that Jesus can make you right with God He can deliver you from evil. He can deliver you from every evil work. He can restore you and he can give you eternal life. And that, my friends, is joy. There's no greater joy than to know that we can live according to Christ's plan. We can submit ourselves to Christ. And though we are imperfect beings, incapable of attaining to his righteousness, he will deliver us because he said that he would. All we do is submit. We submit to him through his word. We believe on him. 
We hear his word preached. We believe. We repent. We confess that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, able to deliver us from our sins, and we're buried with him in baptism, risen to walk in newness of life, restored and made whole. And that's the whole reason the man of sorrows could endure everything that he endured. Because he had joy knowing that he could deliver his children. Will you submit to him today? Will you give him that joy? Don't you think the Savior deserves the happiness that comes along with you giving your life to him? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com. Or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.